Amen, amen. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Come on, how many are really, really, really glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for what we feel, what we get to experience here. Amen. How many know that Jesus loves us? Amen. I think there's some of us that know it in our heads, but I hope today God can help us to know it in our hearts that Jesus loves us. No matter where you come from, no matter what's been going on in your life, Jesus loves you. He wants to help you, touch you, deliver you, and give you a better life and future than you ever thought possible. How many are thankful that Jesus still does that in 2021? Amen, amen. I know you're standing, so I'm going to go to the word of the Lord here. We're going to pull up the scriptures that we're going to read. Amen. Give them to the media team here so they can put them up as well. We're going to read uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. The book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. And while you're turning there, I will echo what your pastor said about Friday night, what a privilege it was to be here, and what a privilege it was to have Jesus visit with us so specially. Uh, there was a young lady filled with the Holy Ghost for the first time, and, and God just moved and touched us and helped us. And I'm thankful for all the young people, their families that came. I'm thankful for the young people of this church that are hungry for a move of God in their generation. And man, appreciate the young people very much. And uh, my wife wanted me to let you all know that she is sorry she couldn't be here today. She is actually out of state in Tennessee. She left early, early Saturday morning. So we had the late Friday night with the youth, and then we had an early Saturday morning. And we had, I don't know about you, but I had to take some time on Saturday to recover. Amen. <laughs> but it was a good thing, good exhaustion. But my wife had to fly out early Saturday morning. There's a, a something in Tennessee that she had to be at, something involving a friend. And so she will be back on Tuesday, so you will see her Wednesday night. But she wanted me to let all of you know how much uh, she wishes she could be here, and she can't wait to see you again soon. Amen. Let's turn to the word of the Lord this morning. I believe God wants to help us today. To all who are visiting, uh, we're so glad that you're here, as your pastor said. But more importantly, Jesus is glad that you're here. And I want you to know you're not here on accident, even if someone dragged you out of bed, even if someone paid you to be here. You are still not here by accident. Amen. It is the will of God that you are here. Let's read this together. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He found some believers. I don't know, I don't know about you. I'm always thankful when I come across fellow believers but Paul had a question for those believers because he knew those believers might need to experience more. So he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, well, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You see, the message about the Spirit of God was still being spread throughout the world. And so Paul said unto them, uh, uh, he said, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. 
And then Paul explained something to him. He said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So, in other words, John's baptism was a preparatory baptism to get your heart and mind ready for being uh, uh, for Jesus Christ, for his ministry, and to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the Bible says when they heard this, what Paul was teaching and preaching, when they heard the gospel, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were rebaptized because the first baptism wasn't sufficient. So if anyone tells you rebaptism isn't biblical, just take them here to Acts chapter 19. Because we can't be baptized in the name of the Easter Bunny or Santa Claus. None of that will work. It's got to be in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so the Bible says, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, this Holy Ghost he told them about came on them. And how do they know? Because they spoke with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about 12, and Paul went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Amen. I love this passage of Scripture. I'm thankful for it uh, because it is it demonstrates the power of the gospel, and it's the gospel in a nutshell. And, uh, I, 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 well, we'll get into it. I won't get ahead of my notes here. But the title of what I want to preach about this morning is very profound and very deep. So just get ready for it, all right? The title of the sermon that I want to preach to you about today is simply this, God is real. I told you it would be profound. I told you it's really deep, all right? You're going to have to try to figure that one out and swallow that. But that's the title this morning, God is real real. And if you believe that God is real, if you believe God can visit with us in this place, if you believe that we can still feel God's presence in 2021, then before you're seated, why don't you praise him? Why don't you magnify him? Why don't you let him know that you want to feel him, that you want to experience him, that you are ready to be touched, delivered, and filled by him? Come on, somebody praise that very real God who we serve. Come on, if you believe that he's real enough to touch you, real enough to to help you if you believe that he really really loves you come on somebody praise him for just a few more seconds this morning Jesus Christ, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in Carson City as it is in heaven, in this church as it is in heaven, and in their hearts and in my heart as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, if you're expecting God to do anything, one more time before you're seated, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The location, the geographical location of the text we just read is, was in Ephesus, as we mentioned in the beginning of the text. And for those that don't know, in ancient cities like Ephesus, idol worship was the normative practice. Everybody did it. In Ephesus and in most major Roman cities at the time, there were colossal sculptures of Roman gods and of the Roman emperor and his wife that were created all over different provinces in the region. And these statues never stood alone, though. They actually always had a priesthood of loyal minions always on hand who were looking to get ahead in their profession by showing greater zeal and adoration of these statues, these idols, and by strictly enforcing the laws of idol worship. It, it was a big deal, a big practice at the time. But since, as we know, that idols are fake, 
these minions and all the idols worshipers, they had to go to great lengths to deceive themselves into believing that these idols and these statues were real. They had to make their gods look alive somehow if they were going to experience any measure of meaningful worship. And history tells us that ingenious mechanical devices that were sometimes powered by steam or by pulleys were secretly installed in these pagan temples. And at these, at these uh, pagan priests' signal, teams of hidden worshipers and devotees would operate the pulleys and the engines, making the imperial statues look like they were waving their hands. They could make it look like they were dropping a sacred tear levitating above the crowds or they could cause fire to appear mysteriously on the altar and even one practice with the pulleys and the levers allowed them to open and shut giant doors without human hands. But the most deceptive art practiced on the gullible people was when a priest would sit in a chamber beneath the emperor's statue and the, the priest would speak through this tube as if the idol were speaking an answer to a follower's prayer. And the sad part is that these deceptive practices left many people deceived and many others skeptical of anything supernatural. And it is against this backdrop of extreme deception and skepticism that the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the church in Ephesus, which was the Roman capital of Asia Minor. And here we are now, several thousand years later, 2021, and in some ways it doesn't seem like things have changed all that much. Because there are masses in the world that are still being deceived, and it seems that there are more skeptical people today than perhaps ever before. And maybe it's because from the fabrics we wear to the food we eat, we are still surrounded by imitations of what is real. Today, we have fake meat. Amen. Shout out to all the vegans out there. We have, we have fake hair. There is fake limbs, and there is fake leather. There is fake denim. There is fake ice cream even. There's fake glass, fake wood, fake marble, fake gold, fake toenails, fake teeth, and the list could go on for hours and hours of all the imitations of the real that we have in our world today. And, and we don't even have time to mention the fake people, perhaps, that we have been exposed to in our life. Amen? I'm not being unkind here. Just, just stay with me. We, we don't even have time to go through maybe some of the imposters who are living in the roles of our politicians or our government officials or different leaders or, or maybe even our next door neighbors. And all of this creates a real problem. And that is, you could ask, with all of this fakery, how does anyone have faith? We are surrounded by so much that is not real. It has unfortunately become easy to be skeptical even when we come across the real and the genuine. If we're being honest, many of us walk into stores, into schools, and yes, even churches with our guard up, ready to protect ourselves from whatever sales pitch that we think might be disingenuous that is thrown at us. And you know what? This is somewhat understandable. But what if I told you that in our age of skepticism, we can easily slip past merely protecting 
tormenting ourselves and we can actually begin to become jaded. If we are not careful, we can end up protecting ourselves from the very thing that we have been needing and wanting. We can accidentally end up guarding ourselves from God, guarding ourselves from a very real loving God who wants to help us, save us, and deliver us. Can I preach to some skeptics and some cynics that you need to remember that if all that you've been eating is artificial ingredients, then the first bite of the fresh and the first bite of the real will be all the more sensational. Hallelujah. The more imitations... The more imitations there are, the more valuable the real and the genuine becomes. We must not be discouraged by all the fakery and imposters because we must remember the more imposters that appear, the more obvious it becomes who and what is truly authentic. And I've come to remind someone, we serve an authentic God. The God of this house is a real and authentic God. He has changed and transformed lives. There are people in this house that were on heroin. There are people in this house that were drugged up, that are prostituting themselves. They were in prison, all kinds of different stuff, and there was no answer in society that works for them. There was nothing in this world that could deliver them. But when they gave their life to God at an altar on a Sunday morning just like this, all of a sudden things begin to change. Chains begin to fall, and addictions begin to break. And that's one of many ways that we can know that our God is real because when nothing else works, Jesus works. When nothing else works, God works. Oh, I wish somebody would believe me. When nothing else seems to be healing that problem, Jesus is the one that always has the power to heal that problem. Don't be discouraged by any any fakery you've seen. Don't be discouraged by hypocrisy you may have seen years ago somewhere. Hey, listen, God sees all of that and God God says, don't let that distract you from what is real. Don't let that cause you to put your guard up where you keep yourself from the presence of the real living God. Somebody praise him if you believe that. Hallelujah. If all you've been eating is artificial ingredients, the one, the one silver lining there is that the first bite of the fresh and the real will be all the more powerful and all the more sensational. If you've only been eating imitation products and then you go and you go to that farmer's market, you go to that place where they're selling the real deal and you put that fresh fruit or whatever it is in your mouth, you realize, wow, this is what I've been missing out on. This is what I've been needing in my life. And, you know, we, we could focus on the negative and focus on all the, the bad things and, and people here that have bad motives over there and all kinds of different stuff. But, but as I mentioned, can I tell you, the more imitations there are, all it does is make the, the more valuable the real and the genuine. That, that, that's, why, that's why when you have stuff like paintings or art or pottery, there's always a lot of imitations out there. But the more people imitate that original masterpiece, guess what happens? The price of that original masterpiece just goes up 
and up and up. It just becomes all the more valuable. Hallelujah. And can I tell you what we have today, the power of the spirit, the power of the re- that resurrection power, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in this house and dwells with us. When I tell you that we have that power that when you go down in water in Jesus' name, all of the record of your sins is washed away forever. Listen, when you taste and see of the authentic, when you taste and see of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will say, oh, oh this is good. This is real. This is authentic. Hallelujah. When nothing else felt real and everything else felt shallow and empty, I met a God named Jesus Christ, the only true living God. He turned everything around and finally I felt, finally I found that which my soul craves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have to remember what it says in Romans 5 and 20, that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And in the same principle, where dead idols reside, a dynamic church can thrive. Amen. We don't have to be worried or discouraged or fearful about all the stuff going around us and all the different things in the world that that other people worship. Amen. All that is is idols. All it is is fakery. Amen. All that stuff out there does not have the power to save. Can I tell someone that entertainment and relationships and drugs and, 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 and pornography and whatever else you want to fill in the blank, none of that stuff will save you. None of that stuff will satisfy you. Some of you can say amen because you've tried it. You've been there and bought the t-shirt and none of it uh, satisfied you none of it made you happy amen until that day where you said i'm going to put aside the idols i've worshiped everything the lord the world told me to worship i've worshiped everything the world told me would make me happy and and i i tried to pursue that and i i pursued fame or i pursued riches and i and i reached there and i got some of it but it did not satisfy can i tell you you are a perfect candidate to step into the presence of god and find the one thing on this planet that will satisfy your heart and give you the meaning and the purpose that you've been desperately craving. Amen. Where falsehood lies and imitations abound, the real, authentic, and genuine does does much more abound. Can remind someone that God is real. God is real. He's so real that he would come in this place and move and love us, even though all of us are imperfect human beings, saved by grace, but in need of his grace every single day. He's so real and so loving, amen, that he would come all the way down to earth, that he would step off of his throne, robe himself in flesh, become the man Jesus Christ, live and die for your sins and my sins, and three days later be raised up from the grave, forever conquering the power of death death, hell, and the grave. You've come too late to tell me that God is not real. I've seen too much. I've felt too much. I've experienced too much. Come on. God's bought this young man from too much for you to try to tell me that God is not real and that God does not want to be real in your life. Come on. He's He's brought me off of too much. He's delivered me from too much darkness. He's delivered me from too much addiction. He's delivered me from dysfunctional relationships. He's done too much for this old boy for you to convince me that God is not real and alive today. I just got a simple message for us today, church, a reminder that God is real, he is powerful, and in the middle of this age of confusion, doubt, fear, and skepticism, he wants you and he wants me to believe. 
He wants you to experience him, and he wants you to have faith. As Brother Mark said, let it be to, according to our faith. If you want to experience him, then you got to believe in what this preacher's preaching. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have the Bible perfectly memorized and speak in perfect King James English for God to come down and love you and wrap his arms around you. You just need a little bit of faith that God can work with. Even if you're like that man that said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God will respond to that honesty. And God will say, hey, there's somebody there that's got faith the size of a mustard seed. There's somebody there that's got something that I can work with. And that's when God comes down into a church just like this. And God can heal your heart. And God can heal your mind. And God can fill you with his spirit. And you will know you've been filled because you'll speak in other tongues. That's when you can go down in water in that baptistry behind that door right there and have all of your sins washed away forever. You can come out of that water saying, my God, this is what I have been missing out on my entire life. I can't tell you how many times someone who's been hungry for God and has come into a church just like this one. We're not perfect. We got plenty we could work on. We're imperfect because we're human. Amen. But in this church, you will hear preaching about the power of God, the reality of God. You will hear truth preaching. We do our best to stick to this word as faithfully as possible. And we still believe the same God that moved 2,000 years ago still loves and moves today. He's an equal opportunity God. He's no respecter of persons. He does not discriminate. So that means he's not going to pour out his power and love on his people 2,000 years ago years ago, but now 2,000 years later in 2021, God is just kind of dead or God's kind of tired or God's kind of bored and God doesn't really move powerfully anymore. No, no, no. All of that is a lie. God is real. He's alive and well in 2021. Yeah, and I can't tell you how many times people have come into a church just like this one where they're hearing preaching about the fact that they can experience God. That's one thing that makes us a little different is we believe you can experience God in a single moment on a Sunday morning. We know there's things you'll have to go home and apply. Preaching always has things that we have to apply later, but we also believe in applying the here and now. We also believe in the response to the preached word. That's why we lift our hands. That's why we lift our voice. That's why in a minute we're going to come to the altar and pray because we believe in showing God a sign of our faith, saying, God, I believe in what was preached, so I'm going to respond right now because I want to receive something right now. I don't have to wait till I go home. I don't have to wait till next week. I can experience his hand and his power right now now in this house on a Sunday morning surrounded by people I don't know, surrounded by some crazy folks that are jumping and clapping and smiling. Yes, I can experience him today. Hallelujah. Lord, help me. I keep getting off track. I, I, so many people that have walked in a church like this one and they come and they lift their hands and I've seen it so many times. I have, I've had the privilege of traveling around this nation and sometimes outside of this nation for, for over six near, years now, uh, the privilege of preaching the gospel and I have seen so many times they come in, they receive the Holy Ghost, they get baptized in Jesus' name in water, they come out clean with all their sins washed away and one thing that they'll say, Pastor Hood, is they'll say, I didn't even know that anything like this existed. Maybe some of you that are now saved, maybe you said that when you first came in. They'll say things like, why didn't somebody tell me about this sooner? Why did no one tell me that I could experience God for myself? 
Why is it that the only view of religion that I had was that there had to be, there had to be something that I had to, to, to do or some beads that I had to rub or a, a statue or an idol or a picture that I had to pray to before God would be pleased with me or that I had to light 25 candles before God would hear my prayer? Why is it that no one told me that I can just pray to God directly, that I can just call his name and he will respond and he will help me, touch me and save me? And so I don't want you to leave this place saying, why did no one tell me? You can now consider that you've been told. You have been explained to that God is real. He's real. He's real. And if you want to feel him, if you want to experience him, if you have a need in your life, you can feel his presence and be changed by his love today. Come on. Depression has to flee at the name of Jesus Christ. Anxiety and fear has to flee at the name of Jesus Christ. The spirit of suicide and the bonds of addiction and alcoholism. They have to flee at the name of Jesus Christ. Just depends on how bad you want it. If you want it and you're willing to talk to God and pray for it and seek him in just a minute when this preacher is done preaching, amen, you can receive what you need from God. Hallelujah. He's real. He's real. You know, in that passage we read about those people receiving the Holy Ghost and getting baptized off the coast of Ephesus, you know, Paul knew that they were going to go back to a city that was full of all these idols and full of all these problems and full of all this fakery. But I don't receive record that Paul was ever really worried about his saints there. In fact, Ephesus is a book where it's an incredible, Ephesians, if you've never read Ephesians, it's a powerful, powerful book. And, I, and I, when I read that book, Pastor Hood, I don't, I don't see like Paul is wringing his hands, crying, and so concerned for that church like maybe he was in some of the other epistles he wrote. And, and my theory, one of the reasons for that, my theory that he wasn't worried about them in spite of all the deceptions swirling around them is because, again, this is a church that Paul himself helped establish in Acts chapter 19 that we just read today. And so he was not worried because he knew that they had the real thing. He watched them experience the real thing with his own eyes. He did not found the church in Ephesus. Oh, I wish somebody would get as excited as this preacher is this morning. Amen. He did not found the church in Ephesus on false promises and pagan philosophies. He founded that church on preaching, on Jesus' name, baptism, and the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues. Because Paul saw God fill them the same way Paul was filled with the evidence of speaking in tongues, Paul knew for sure that those saints had just had a powerful encounter with God that nothing offered to them in Ephesus could ever compare to. No idol, no no, no false pagan promise could ever compare to what they received that day on the coast of Ephesus. Is there anybody that still believes and is excited about the power of the Holy Ghost? So Paul, Paul was not worried. Paul told them to put on the armor of God. Paul told them to be sober and aware. In the book of Ephesians, he told them to pray in the spirit. And he said, you know what? You're going to be just fine because you know the real thing. May we never take for granted that we have experienced the real presence of Almighty God. 
And can I tell you, this is why, this is why we, we need more encounters with him. This is why we need more of him than ever before. He wants to show us how real he is. Maybe there's some of you in this house, amen, I, 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 I feel that God is talking to your heart and speaking to you right now. You have always heard that God was real, amen, but you've maybe never really experienced him for yourself. Maybe you've dabbled in religion. Maybe you've gone here and there and your heart was in the right place and God will bless you for your seeking, but you've never felt like you've really experienced this God for yourself the way they did in the pages of scripture. Can I tell you, God wants to change that today. He wants to, oh, hallelujah. He wants to give you more. He wants to give me more. He wants us to have a real encounter. How many want a real encounter with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Come on. I want as much of him as he'll give me. I want more of his presence, more of his power. I want more of the real and mighty God of heaven. Amen. So in spite of all the fakery and all the things that maybe happened to us that we didn't ask for, we must still choose to have faith. Can I tell you, faith is not false hope. Faith is not living in denial. Okay, faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is being sure of what we hope for, being convinced of what we do not see. Amen. I cannot see God's spirit with my physical eyes, but I know he's here because I feel him and I trust his word. And just because you can't see something does not mean that it isn't real. There are all kinds of oxygen and carbon dioxide particles floating in this room right now. There are atoms in the pew in the chair that you sit on. It's very real even though you cannot see it. Just because you can't see something, it doesn't mean that it is not real. The Bible says also in Hebrews 11 that it was by faith that Abraham and Sarah saw the promise that God gave to them. Two people that were up in years that were elderly and God gave them a promise that seemed impossible. And they, it says by faith they saw the promise. How, how, how does that work? Is it seeing with physical eyes? No, no. Faith is seeing with spiritual eyes, being able to see what cannot be seen in the physical. Even though my physical senses might say impossible, faith is when my spiritual senses say with God anything is possible. When my physical senses say impossible, my faith says with God anything is possible. Hallelujah. You know, when we say God is real, and I'm, I'm closer to being done than you might think. I'm hurrying here. We say God is real. We mean it one in the way that we've been preaching. He's real, and can I tell you as well that he's not just real in the sense that he's a creator, and he set the world into existence. He started the clock, and then he just stepped back and let it tick on its own, never intervening in the affairs of man. We don't believe in that, that deist philosophy here. We believe that God intervenes. We, do, we believe in not just the natural, but the supernatural. So can I tell you, you might believe that there's a creator God, and that's good. I'm thankful. Glad, glad that yeah, you, you don't struggle with atheism. That's great. But can I tell you, there's a lot of people that believe in a creator God. They believe he's real in that sense, but they don't believe that God is real for them. 
They believe God is real for everyone else. They believe God created those mountains out there and the trees and the rivers and the oceans, but they do not believe that God is real for them. They believe everyone else can experience him. They believe you can see his handiwork, but they don't believe that you can feel his presence, hear his voice, be intimate with him, and be changed by him. But I've come to reject that lie. I've come to rebuke that lie and tell you if God is real for someone else, that means God's real for you too. He is not just Pastor Hood's God. He is not just Brother Claiborne's God. He is not just the saints that have been here for a long time's God. He is your God too. If you're a visitor, he loves you too. He wants to help you too, deliver you, and save you from whatever you're going through today. Somebody praise him if you believe that. Amen. Another way when we say God is real, you know, it's so funny. Humans are so funny. We are so funny sometimes. We, whenever we like a person, one thing, let's say, let's say I'm talking to my wife about someone I just met, and I really like the person. One of the compliments I'll give probably is I'll say, you know what? That person, he or she is so awesome. You know why I like them? Because he or she is so real. Anybody ever said that before? Man, I like that person because he's real. She's real. And so we have that desire and expectation for humans. But I wonder, do we have that same appreciation for God? Because God is real too. God is authentic too. And we want human beings to be real with us, to be transparent, to be authentic. But then when God starts getting real with us, when God starts getting transparent, when God starts getting authentic, when God gets up close and personal and makes us a little uncomfortable, then we say, whoa, 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 I don't know if I want anything to do with that. Let me just go back to my comfort zone. Let me just go back to my, my easy place. But wait a minute, I thought you appreciated things and people that were real. If you really appreciate things and people that are real, then you're, you will appreciate a real God that loves you enough to come down into your space and say, you know what, I love you, sir, I love you, ma'am, and, and you know what, you could be better. You, you could do better than what you're doing right now. And, and you know what? Guess what? Your marriage could be better. And, and so you could get mad and you could get uncomfortable and say, oh, I don't want to hear all that. Or you could say, thank God that there's a God who's willing to be real with me. Thank God that there's a God who'll make me uncomfortable. Thank God that he loves me enough to convict me so I can be better, so I can improve, so I can be a better human, a better Christian, a better dad, a better mom, a better son, a better daughter. Thank God that he's real. Hey, man, if you ever hear preaching over this pulpit and it just ah, it grinds your gears a little bit, but you know you need to hear it, don't walk away angry. Walk away saying, thank God that you're real. Thank God that I don't just go to a social club on Sundays. Thank God that I didn't sign up to be a Christian just to play the easy game and just to stay average. No, I signed up for this, honey, to change. I signed up for this to grow. I signed up for this to be transformed. I signed up for this because I want to be better. And only Jesus can make me better. And he can only do it if I allow him to be real with me. And that means when he convicts me of my sins, and when I'm sitting in church and I feel that conviction and Jesus whispers to us or impresses upon us, hey, what you're doing is wrong. Some of that stuff you're doing is not okay. And it's only going to hurt you. It's not going to help you. The, the drugs you turn to, the relationships you turn to, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the things that you're hiding behind the scenes, hey, I'm going to bring it to the surface. And yes, you might get a little bit uncomfortable, but that's the only way that you can address it, give it to Jesus, and overcome it. How many are thankful that the God we serve is real like that? 
I don't know about you, but I'm thankful. Anytime maybe I, I'm not as kind to my wife as I should be, I'm thankful that there's a God that loves me enough to kind of grab me by my jacket collar and say, son, you know better than that. I'm thankful that if I didn't treat people well enough or I'm getting cynical, or I'm getting bitter, I can go to the prayer room and I can pray and God will convict me and say, son... You know there's more. You know there's better. I'm glad that there's a God that will put his word on my mind, and when I'm struggling or doing something dumb, a scripture will flash to my mind and convict me, and I'll say, you're right, God. Thank you once again for making me uncomfortable. Thank you for being real with me. And so that real God is in the house today to tell you that if you're struggling with something, and if you're doing something you know you shouldn't, God is not here to hurt you. God is not here to hate on you. He loves you. He's here to help you. And if you're feeling conviction right now, let God do it. God is here to tell you whatever you need to repent of, whatever you've been doing that's not right, whatever you've been hiding, whatever you've stuffed inside, and you've let it grow dark and you're not telling anyone else about. Amen. God is bringing that to the surface today because he's real and he wants to deliver you from something that is bound you for years hallelujah if you believe that clap your hands to Jesus amen I want I want the musician to come amen God is real that's why in Hebrews eleven six it says but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that comes to God must believe that he is that he's real that he exists that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you want a reward from God, hear me, if you need something from God, the Bible tells us right here what I just read. He, it's a promise. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If you're willing to lift your hands in just a few minutes and pray and seek after him, you will find him. But the Bible says you, you have not because you ask not. But, but if you ask, then you shall receive. If you knock, it will be opened. If you seek, it will be, you, you will find. We have to do these things. There's something that we have to do on our part. God is real, and we've got to be real with him. We've got to be open with him. We've got to be vulnerable with him. We've got to open up ourselves to him. We say, well, God, I just want you to seek me. I just want you to do all the work. Well, listen, God will do a lot of work. The Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God will pursue you and chase you. But can I tell you something? God already came down to earth once and died for our sins, and it took care of the sins of man forever. And if you obey the gospel, if you're born again of water and the Spirit, just like it said to be in John chapter 3 when Jesus said this is the only way you can enter the kingdom, if you're willing to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins and be filled with the Holy Ghost, just like it says in Acts 2 and 38, if you're willing to obey the gospel, amen, then you can receive what Jesus purchased and provided for you 2,000 years ago on that cross. We have to seek him. We have to pray. You know, it's, it's funny. We know that God is a spirit, and a spirit has no flesh and blood. It has no bones. But God foreordained before the foundation of the world that he would die for our sins. So he kind of had to get some bones and some flesh and some blood. So what he did was he stepped out of the spirit realm, and he stepped into our realm, the human realm. Did he not? So what God did in order to save us was he put on flesh. He was a spirit, and he put on flesh, right? Died for our sins. God was manifest in the flesh. Okay. Now we are flesh. We dwell in the human realm. And if we want to get into God's realm, the realm that he has provided for us through his, his sacrifice on Calvary, then we being human, being flesh, we have to decide to put on spirit. 
He being a spirit put on flesh, us being flesh have to put on the spirit of God. We have to allow God to fill us with his spirit, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. We have to submit ourselves to the gospel to go down in water in Jesus' name and have all of our sins washed away forever. I know I'm preaching a lot of things that maybe a lot of you already know. I know it may not be new, but it's still true. And there's someone that needs to hear it today. Amen. As I conclude today, I want to tell you a story. It's a true story of something that happened recently. And there's so many stories. And you could, if I gave the mic to people in this church, you could give so many testimonies and proofs of how real God is. Any, any saints, you know I'm telling the truth? Anybody ever seen some miracles? Anybody ever seen God do the impossible? And I could give you a lot of stories. Something happened a few months ago. My wife and I, we had the privilege of being overseas, and I, I have to make this short. I'm already a little over my time, so I'll make it as quick as possible. My wife and I, we felt to go to a, a country overseas, and I can't, not at liberty to say which one right now, but um, it was our fourth fourth time, I believe, going there, and God had been dealing with us about this country, and I don't really know what's going to happen in the future. That's a whole other story, but, but we, we felt burdened for this country because this is a country that uh, has no apostolic church in the entire country. Not a preaching point, not a Bible study, nothing. There's no truth preaching churches in the country. And even the other churches that preach, I guess you call them half half truths or whatever, it kind of it's just it's just more traditional and no one really goes to a lot of these churches and they're just empty and they're just kind of for tradition and for, for show. And so uh, uh, you know we, we felt burdened to go to this place. So we went and we just we talked to our pastor about it, got permission and, and, and so we flew over there, just her and I, and we were there for over a month and, and we were just said, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. We'll we'll go and we'll pray and we'll take our guitar and we'll play and sing in the square and we'll try to tell people about Jesus. The problem is there's a big language barrier and not everyone spoke English, so it was hard at times. But we said, God, we'll just go. We'll plant ourselves there. We'll do whatever you want us to do. We know one of the greatest expressions of love is availability. And God, you make yourself available for us. So we're going to try to make ourselves available to whatever you want to do through us for these people. And so we were there, and, and I'm trying to make this quick. But if I'm being honest, I got discouraged really quickly. And the enemy started playing with my mind and messing with me and saying, is really any of this real? And did you really hear from God? Or is this just a pipe dream? And did you just kind of feel bad for some people on a map and so you crazy enough to hop on a plane and go here is this really real and the enemy was discouraging me and we saw some some neat things and met some people and we still have connections we're working on but nothing was really breaking and people couldn't understand and and I taught a bible study to one person and when it was over he just asked me to give him money and so then I realized that okay he wasn't really there for the bible study probably and I'm just being transparent with you anybody ever had stuff like that happen kind of discouragement after discouragement and uh, and I even if I'm being honest I tried to fly home early. I did. I, I was like, God, I, I, I am tired of this. And I started looking at tickets to fly home early. And guess what? God made sure all those tickets were so expensive that I couldn't book a new one. And I had to stay with the original plan. And thank God I did. Because here's what happened about one week before we flew out. And if I would have flown out sooner, we would have missed this. We were walking into a grocery store. We were kind of done with our daily outreach. Walking to a grocery store to buy some stuff to go back to our apartment and, uh, and cook some food. And we met a woman in this apartment, and uh, my wife later realized that God gave her a godly curiosity to talk to this woman. And uh, it wasn't hard to be curious about her because she was like six foot four. She was of an Asian ethnicity, and, um, and it was just kind of rare seeing someone of her ethnicity that tall, much less seeing her in the country that we were in. So my wife felt to stop and talk to her. We started talking to her. We realized that she was a Christian of some kind. 
She was a believer of some kind, just like in Acts chapter 19 when Paul came across some believers. So we started talking to her, and she was so excited. She said, I'm so excited to meet some fellow Christians. And uh, she just wouldn't stop, couldn't stop talking. We couldn't stop talking. We were so excited. And um, we said, hey, are you going to have time over the next few days to meet? She said, no, I catch a bus early in the morning to go to a different country. We said, okay, why don't you come back to our apartment tonight, eat a meal with us, and we can talk more and get to know you better. She said, I'd love that. We'll call her Sarah. And so Sarah came back to the apartment that night, and when we got to the apartment and the door was shut behind us, she sat down on our couch, and tears started going down her eyes, her face. And she, she said, Brennan and Briar, she said, what you don't realize she said, five minutes before I walked into that grocery store, she said, I was praying that God would lead me to someone that can lead me back to him. She said, I didn't tell you this. She said, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been living for God for years. She said, I've been living in darkness. I've been living away from him. I, I've been doing things that I know I shouldn't do. I've been living in darkness, and I'm so cold, and I'm so tired, and I'm so hurt, and I've been so abused, and I'm so desperate, and I'm ready. I, 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 five minutes before I went to that store, I said, God, would you lead me to someone who could help me? Would you lead me to someone who could lead me back to you? And she said, five minutes later, I met both of you in that grocery store. And we started crying. We said, Sarah, what you don't realize is that we have been praying for weeks every day that God would lead us to whoever is hungry, that God would lead us to whoever wants him. And he has answered your prayer and our prayer in a single moment. The Holy Ghost came in that room. She's crying. I'm crying. I opened up the Bible to, uh, with her, and I shared with her the same passage we read to you today, Acts chapter 19. I said, Sarah, it's great that you're a believer, but God has more for you. He wants to fill you with his spirit, and that's probably why we cross paths. Do you want to experience this? She said, yes, I want to experience it. It was about 1130 at night. Amen. So we started to pray for her, my wife and I. We took her wrist. I put my hand on her head. We started praying for her, and in just a few minutes, she went from spirit speaking Mandarin to speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, amen, in an apartment in a foreign land where there's no churches surrounded by darkness. Uh, this woman, uh, this prodigal, God sent us all the way over there to reach one person so her life could be changed, so she could be filled with the Holy Ghost. She said, I know this is real. She said, when you prayed, you and your wife prayed for me. She said, I felt a weight, a good weight come over me. And she said, that I could not stand. She fell to her knees, and that's where she received the Holy Ghost on her knees in that apartment that night. You've come too late to tell me that God is not real. I know what it's like to have fear. I know what it's like to have doubt. I know what it's like to go through those trials that all of us go through. But at the end of the day, if you keep praying, if you keep sticking with it, and if you keep believing, you will discover that God is real. And he's so real and he's so loving that he will send a young man and his wife all the way across the world just to reach one person that's been crying out to God. That's why the Bible says Jesus will leave the 99 to go after the one. He, he cares. He cares. He loves us. He loves you. 
And I don't know what's going to happen with her. It's in God's hands. But we've been able to FaceTime with her and message with her and give her Bible studies across the world. And we're still believing that God is going to do more and do great things in her life. But you have come too late to tell me that God is not real, that God does not love us, that God will not go to the ends of the earth to reach us, to help us, and to save us. So if you're here today, if God would do it for Sarah in a foreign land, don't you think God would do it for you in Carson City, Nevada? Don't you think God would send some sweaty, young, red-faced preacher to talk to you today and let you know that anything is possible, that you can be saved, changed, and transformed on a Sunday morning in a place just like this? I want us to stand all over this house. Before we go any further... I want us to lift our hands. And come on, what we're feeling right now, I feel the Lord's here. I feel like he's knocking at the doors of hearts. Come on, if he's knocking at your heart, would you make the decision to let him in? Would you make the decision to open that door wide and let him touch you, let him help you, let him heal you today? Come on, they're, they're going to sing in just a moment, but before we get there, I want you to just pray and push for a little bit. Come on, if you're a visitor and you don't even know how to pray, you don't know what all this is about, it's okay. You don't have to pray the perfect formula. All you got to do is lift your hands with your eyes closed and just start talking to Jesus like you would a best friend. Just tell him, I need you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. If what the preacher is saying, Lord, sh show it to me. I, I want to feel your presence. You can use the word hallelujah, which means the highest praise. You can just say hallelujah, Jesus. I need you, God. If you're real, would you touch me today? If you're real, would you help me and love me and deliver me today? Come on, just take a few seconds and talk to him. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, I thank you for your presence that's in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you are here today, I want you to stay in the spirit of prayer. But if you are here today and you have never been filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, they're all one and the same. If you've never been filled, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, and you would like to experience this today, would you slip your hand up at me so I know who you are? Amen. Thank you. I see one. Amen. Anybody else? There's two. Thank you for your honesty. That's faith right there. God bless you for that. Amen. You can put your hands down. If you are here, and regardless of what the need is, God spoke to you in some way, shape, or form through his word today. Would you raise your hand so I know, and God knows who you are. Thank you for your honesty. Amen. I want everyone that raised their hand. We're going to do things a little different. We're going to get out of our comfort zone today if, if, you're, if you're up for it. Because when we get out of our comfort zone, that's when God can bless. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. We have to take that first step. So if you raised your hand today, any one of you, I'm going to invite you to come to this front. You don't have to come alone. Come with someone else that raised their hand. Or if you're here and, and there's something else that you need, you didn't raise your hand for, you need deliverance of something. You need a real God to impact you and touch you in this altar today. I want to invite you to come as well. Amen. This altar is open. Why don't we take that step of faith? There's people already coming. God bless you for your faith. Thank you for your faith and your honesty. Hey, man, this is beautiful. Come on, if you need something from God, and you can just, you can remain standing if you're already here, if you're already standing. Hey, man, if, if, if you're here and you want to come and you're not physically able to stand for too long, then you can sit in some of these chairs in the front, whatever you're comfortable with. Hey, man, but God, I believe a real God is going to pour out his healing, his grace, his power on us. And here's what we're going to do. The first thing we're going to do all over this house, doesn't matter if you've been going to church 50 years or five minutes, 
We're all going to pray a prayer of repentance because that's what Peter told us to do. You say, what is repentance? Repentance is saying sorry to Jesus for our sins and committing to him that we're going to do our best to turn from those sins and to turn towards God, okay? Everybody in this house, in just a minute, we're going to lift our hands and we're going to pray a prayer of repentance. When we're done praying that prayer, I'm going to pray a simple prayer over you and then we're all just going to lift our voices and begin crying out to the very real God of heaven, all right? And if you don't know what else to say, again, you can just shout his name you can shout the word hallelujah, but make sure that you open your mouth and you pray as well because I cannot pray for you and God cannot pray for you. It's got to come from your heart but out of your mouth. So right now all across this house to position ourselves and ready our hearts for the deliverance that he's going to give us, I want us to lift our hands, close our eyes. I want us to begin repenting all over this house. Come on, you can just talk to Jesus, but you got to do it with your lips. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Come on, i got to do it every day. I'm a preacher, and I still have to repent every day as well because I'm always in need of his grace and mercy. Come on, come on. We're going to live a life of daily repentance. Let's do that. Jesus created me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Hallelujah. Lord, I commit myself to you. Less of me and more of you, not my will. I've tried my will, and it didn't work out so well. I want your will. Jesus, I'm sorry for everything I've said, everything I've done, everything I've thought. And God, I thank you that right now you're hearing my prayer. I thank you that right now you're receiving my prayer. You're receiving my repentance. I thank you that you'll never turn me away. Come on, that's it. Just a few more seconds. Stay in this moment of repentance for a few more seconds. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it. Open your mouth and talk to him. Keep talking to him. Keep talking to him. Come on, the more you pray, it's like a glass filling up with water. And that glass will get to the top and overflow at the brim and come flowing out of your mouth. But you got to talk to him. you got to talk to him. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and when I'm done, all you got to do is lift your voice and just begin to worship God and praise him, and God will do the rest. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind fear, and I lose faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind depression, and I lose peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind sickness of mind or body, and I lose healing in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, I bind addiction and every lie that anybody here has believed, and I loose the truth, redemption, and delivering power of Jesus Christ. Right now, in the name of Jesus, experience him. Receive him. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive your deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ. Now lift your voice and just cry out to that God. Come on. Lift your voice and worship him. Shout his name. Thank him for his goodness. Declare the word hallelujah. Whatever you do, start praising him, and you'll begin to feel more of him. Come on, the singers are going to sing, but I need us to lift our voices and cry out to him in faith. Come on. In order for us to speak in tongues, we got to be speaking to God. Hallelujah. I need you, Jesus. I don't have it all figured out, but I need you, Jesus. Here's my heart. Here's my mind. Come on, you've tried everything else. Why don't you try Jesus? You've got nothing to lose. The drugs didn't fix it. Come on, the sex didn't fix it. Only Jesus alone can give you what you need. Come on, that's it. Keep praying. Saints of God, if you see someone here praying, seeking the Holy Ghost, go pray for him right now. Come on, let God use you in the gifts of the Spirit. 
Hallelujah. That's it. Let God do what only he can do right now. Chance to work on you today. 